We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Before we get into today's episode, which you'll soon see focuses around the theme of being a female CEO or business professional, if launching your own business is something that calls out to you, or if you are currently a business owner and can use some guidance on becoming more visible and marketing yourself and your business effectively, I would love to help you out through utilizing my head and heart aligned marketing method. This combines traditional marketing methods with strategies that align with you and your personality type to help you see the profits, visibility, and success that you're hoping for. Please reach out to me via Instagram or email nechami at karmalacosmetics.com to hear how I can help you and see if you're a good fit for my program. Now on to today's episode. I had such a great time speaking with Chagit Sofia Levayev, who is the CEO and president of Levayev Group USA. During this interview, Chagit shared her journey starting from her childhood, the values her parents raised her with and instilled in her, which she now utilizes in raising her own children. She spoke about the lack of privacy growing up and having her father's business so public and recognized and what that meant for them as a family and the way it affected her her family. She also spoke about the most challenging experience she had in her life and what it taught her and the feeling of loneliness and challenges that came along with moving her family to a new country when she moved from Israel to the US, away from her siblings, parents, and their families, right? It, It really inspired me to hear how she used her challenging experiences to learn from them and be empowered. Chagit also spoke about appreciating what you have, priorities in life. She shared such great business advice on how to truly succeed and go far and how to create a growth environment and a team that employees truly want to be a part of. Chagit also spoke about trust and hiring the right people, balancing motherhood with a career. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. I can't wait for you to learn a lot and be inspired. I was born in Israel. I grew up there most of my life. My parents originally are from uh, Uzbekistan, where Bukharian Jews, they made Aliyah when they were 15 years old. Throughout the years, we also lived in Belgium, in Antwerp, around five years. We were back and forth, but then we settled in Israel. I'm a sandwich girl. I'm a five, number five out of nine kids. So my memories as a kid was always like a big, fun family. There was always so many of us everywhere we went. You know, there's always a familiar face anywhere we go. It's a big family. Also my father's family, my mother's family. So it was, re- it was really a lot of fun, a lot of action. 
doing a lot of stuff. We were very active, flying to places, seeing places. I mean, I have really sweet memories from my childhood. It was very fun. Okay. So first of all, that's so interesting that you're a middle child. I would not have guessed that. Why not? I don't know. I just always, because you're such a leader. And I think that there are so many stereotypes regarding middle children, which is terrible for me to say really, but, um, you know, either you find that like a youngest child kind of decides that they're going to go ahead and like change something or whatever, or the oldest child is just a natural leader. So as a middle child, I wonder, did you have this naturally, like this leadership capability or were you, was it kind of um, conditioned? So, so first of all, what I can tell you is because we're nine siblings, I can tell you that it's incredible to see that every kid is completely different and something else. And it doesn't matter if they're number one or number nine, everyone, every kid comes with a special quality, special character. You know, some kids are very business minded. Some are more artistic. Some don't care about both of it. It's it really doesn't matter where you come out in the family. It's much more on the character of the person. And I mean, generally in our family, because we grew up in such a business type of home and business was always discussed and we always had business people, you know, business meetings at the house and on Shabbat tables. We always, and we grew up in the environment of business and we, we soaked a lot of the business talks in. And that's why it was a very natural thing when we went ourselves and joined the family business. So we just grew into it and we got a lot from the business environment. That's so interesting. So your father had like no problem speaking about business in front of you and decisions as a, as a kid. So generally my father is not a person who speaks at all about business. Most of the time we knew uh, what was happening with my father and his companies from reading it on the paper. Yeah. He didn't uh, talk to us about that, but even if you talk about, you know, big decisions like that or not, we were still a part of, you know, there's still a lot of business being discussed at home. The way we, the way we handled ourselves as a family was always very, very business minded. So you just, even if you don't hear about what's going to be released tomorrow in the paper or what company my father is planning to buy, there was a lot of business talks in the house. That's what I can tell you. You probably learned how to like interact as a uh, business woman based on just seeing how your father interacted with his business associates and stuff like that, right? So on that, I must tell you that I don't necessarily think that people are born leaders. People are not necessarily born strong and being able to fight. I think that a lot of times in life, life puts you in certain situations that just bring it out of you. So as a kid, I never thought that I was going to be a leader in the family business or in any in any place like that, it's just circumstances in life that bring you, brings you to certain situations that you have to bring powers out of you that sometimes you didn't know you could have. But when you're in situations that you have to fight for justice, you have to know you have to you find powers in yourselves that you didn't know you can have. And then, you know, just you realize it about yourself. It's just something that you discover about yourself in your journey. Right. That's so true. It's like you don't know what you're capable of until you just jump into it and figure it out. Exactly. And I think that happens a lot with business, actually, with people when they start their own businesses or when they, you know, launch their own, launch their own businesses, really, that they realize how much, because business encompasses so many different details and different things, you know? So that's definitely true. I definitely did not think that I was born a leader. Um, I was very shy. 
and I was very, very sensitive. So everything you always told me, my parents told me I would go cry half a day in the room. And um, I was very sensitive and like people were making fun of me. You know, you just, life teaches you to be tough, not to take what everyone tells you to heart and how to overcome all these things. That's what life teaches you. And then people change, you know, people change all the time, especially at the age when they're young and they're still, you know, their character is being designed and people, people are a result of their life experiences and circumstances. So the more they experience more stuff, the more, the more they change. So true. So true. So do you have any specific examples or stories to share that maybe helped you, you know, work through that sensitivity and, and work through those challenges to become who you are today? So I can definitely tell you that when I moved to New York 10 years ago, it was, um, it, first of all, it was a very unthought and unwell planned decision because it was just a matter of you know, my father's speaking to me, telling me he's growing the business in America and he just needs a set of eyes to go and see what's going on in the business. That was it. I was like, okay, no problem. Like, you really want me to leave? Like, when? Next week. That was the answer. So it was a really, in a way, rushed decision. I had to, I was like, okay, I guess I'll fly and check it out. And if it works out, I'll just pack up my bags and leave with my husband and two kids. And uh, this is really how it was. We packed up our stuff and in two weeks we left. And uh, it was very difficult, by the way, because I was, I had a serious job in Israel. I was the CFO of our holdings company. Um, it was a company that was holding a public company, a very well-known public company in Israel. Uh, it was a lot of, uh, it was a very stressful job and I was dealing with so much and I never thought that I would be able to leave this job and who is going to replace me. So also find out, find, build the, you know, a way to think who is going to be able to manage this when I'm gone and who's going to take over each part to find replacements for yourself and make sure that the move is going to go smooth to make sure that I'm leaving everything correct. And then going into a new country, a new place, a new environment, Everything is different. Everything I know, I've learned, I've experienced is different. Rules are different. Taxes are different. Everything that I know is different. So just to come into that environment. And the sad part was that I was not welcomed by, uh, by the business people here, by the people that were working for us. They're like, why did your father send you what he doesn't trust us? What are you coming to do here? Um, so that was... Um, a little bit surprising to me. I did not expect that. And, you know, when you're not welcome and people don't want you in the business, it's very hard for you to one step in, get involved. And you're thinking, what are they trying to hide? Why don't they want me in? And uh, I think that um, the, the journey that I went these years, unfortunately, you know, it wasn't, it came out to legal battles and struggles and, um, you get to see the real faces of people that you've known for years and people that you've, you've worked with for years. And it's, it makes you see that trusting people is, is almost, I would say, impossible. You never know who to trust and you should always be in charge and involved in your own businesses. Obviously, when it comes to my father's size of businesses, he cannot be you know, involved with every type of business that he has. That's why he has managers that he trusts. But, you know, you need to make sure that 
someone's watching those managers that you trust. It's not, uh, it's a, it's a difficult job. And anyway, just to be here and to experience what I had to experience and to gain access and control and information and, um, you know, as a new tourist, basically in town that came as a young mom for two little kids in a foreign country it was just not what I expected, but I can tell you that I, I discovered incredible, incredible powers within myself and the harder and the nastier they were to me, the stronger I was determined to bring everything to justice. And, and you have to understand I'm coming from a family of nine. We're always together, Shabbat together, dinners together, going out together. And I came here and I was all alone. I had no one here. I felt, you know, my father wasn't here, my mother weren't here, and they're so far away. So I'm talking about not just physically far away, but also like time-wise, time, you know, time zone. You know, it's night for me. I need to call them. I need to ask them questions that are unavailable. So this whole feeling of, of loneliness, especially when you're going such a hard, through such a hard time at work, trying to figure out what's going on, it just shows you like... It, this was the most challenging experience time that I had experienced uh, that I had in my life. And it just taught me so much about myself and my capabilities. And I think that anyone that is put in certain positions, these powers come to you. Once we settled and everything is behind us, you know, now everything is just feels so much easier. We've learned so much. You, you learn from your experience. You learn how you want to work, who you want to work with. What's the next, what's the best way to set up partnerships to set up businesses to hire people it's just the the journey teaches you it's not something that you go you go to college and you learn no one's going to teach you that in college okay so in, in college they teach you so much stuff you're like I have no idea what they're talking about but until you actually start and you go on your own and you work that's when you get the real experience and you really learn for sure. For sure. And I want to talk about that journey that you went through with your husband and your kids. How you had, how many kids at the time? Two, two, two little kids, you had two little kids. Yeah. You left your home country. Yeah. You spoke the language, obviously like you, we didn't mention it, but you speak quite a few languages, right? So you were totally, everything technically was there, but the fact is that, that you, that you were just plopped into this new place with people who didn't welcome you. And, and honestly, I think loneliness is one of the, the hardest challenges that we can face as humans, because we need to feel that support. It's an emotional safety, really. You know what I mean? Yes. And I can definitely tell you that even though I felt lonely at the business aspect of it, and, you know, there was no one I really trusted within our business people, I for sure felt incredible support from my family, from my parents, from my husband. They told me, you handle it. You're there. You handle it the way you should. You're right. Go ahead. Look into this. Do that. Hire this. Hire that. They really gave me the back support that I needed. And they trusted all my findings, all my conclusions, all my, my vision for next steps and, and plans, how to go about so many different things. And again, this is something that um, it comes with experience because also trust is not something that a person is gained or, or given just like that because of a title or because of a position. It's experience. And the more you go through more, the more you learn more and people learn to trust you. People learn how to respect you. And it's a, again, it's a growing journey. 
no one is uh, born trustworthy and everyone trusts him. It's up to you to prove it to others. For sure, for sure, yeah. And I'm just curious, why did your father choose you? Because you mentioned that all of your siblings were, are working in the business. So why were you chosen to go to the US? <laughs> it's a funny question, but then it's actually also a pretty simple one. I have already a sister in Russia. I have already a sister in London. And, you know, we have, uh, we're pretty much uh, living globally, managing different operations. It was an easier move for me because my husband is originally from New York. He moved to Israel when we got married. And it was much more of a natural move for us to, you know, live close to his parents and to see his family and, and be here. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so were you, did that help you in the process of, you know, making, I guess, creating your own community and, or being part of the community and friendships and stuff like that? Because of course you have that whole aspect of moving to a new country. So when I moved to a new country, um, looking for new friendships was the, probably the last thing on my mind. So when we moved, I was drowning in work and trying to learn things and adjust, adjust to things and learn how everything works. And when I had time, I had obviously to run to my two babies in the house and everything, trying to adjust, find a new house, settle down, understand what's going on at work, learn, grow, build. There's so much to do. So friendships was really the last thing on my mind. I think I had much more time to, to build friendships and to, to expand my you know, social circle when things really settled down with my uh, business situation. That makes sense. It was a, it was a very, very... I went through a really hard time at the time. It was very, very busy and stressful. Uh, I can't even tell you, but, you know, going through so many litigations and so many different courts and countries, and it's really not fun. And I don't wish it upon anyone. And generally, I'm just telling people that if they can avoid litigation, it's always, always, always to settle things, you know, down, settle things with people and not with lawyers or courts because it never ends well. Thank God it did end well for us. It was a long journey, but, and it had to be done because there was no settling on, on you know, what we went through, but Baruch Hashem, justice was made. Right, right. Thank God. Yeah. So during this time, and even as a child, you mentioned that your father and the business was constantly in the papers. Was that difficult for you growing up, that lack of privacy? So I think generally I come... When I moved here, I moved from Israel. In Israel, there was um, exactly what I felt much more private when I came to America because my father is a very well-known person, an image in Israel. And yes, everything was on the paper from what we buy, what we sell for how much to where we vacationed and who we hired and who we fired. And everything was just all day long on the papers. And, you know, so is you know, people know you, people recognize you, people talk about you, you're, you know, people take pictures of you for tabloids and whatever. And I, I think it was a really refreshing change to come to New York and no one knew who I was. That was really, um, that was, uh, that was really exciting for me. That's something I really liked about the move. Was that difficult as a child? I didn't realize it was that intense, like your personal life was being. Yeah. So listen, that when we were, you know, my father was, you know, one of the wealthiest people in Israel and he owned public companies and with public companies, you have to report everything you do. And, 
from compensations to buying to selling to hiring to firing everything is always in the papers so uh and you know we got used to seeing him you know in the papers and well today there's so much stuff that is being covered but uh i guess listen for me it was also news most of the time because i told you we were reading what my father and his companies are up to and um no you just uh, ignore it listen there's always when it's okay news, like what I'm telling you, it's, you know, you live with it. But throughout our entire life, we obviously went through so many times through uh, publications that were awful and not good and complete lie and um, a twist of the entire truth. But I learned that it just makes us stronger. Like we stopped caring what people write, what people say, how people say, if it's truth or not. I mean, I, we, you know, we're still dealing with it to this date. Um, we're okay. We've stopped caring. I don't care. We don't care so much. The entire family, but obviously it's not pleasant and it's uncomfortable, but it's part of life. And that's the price of the part of the price we have to pay. Right. It creates, it really gives you thick skin. Listen, you, you have to, because you have to understand that the people are reading this they're just looking for a good headline. They don't know you. They don't know if it's true or not. They're just basically recycling information that they heard or read somewhere else. And, and uh, it's not going to change the person that you are. It's not going to, it's not going to, it shouldn't affect you because again, that's a part of the, the, the sensitivity that I was telling you that makes you much stronger and makes you a thicker skin as you grow, as you grow in life, because I'm not going to, get depressed or and start crying if somebody wrote something bad about us in the paper i know who we are i know what type of people we are i know the good that we do i know the truth and i know that what's written is not true and i don't care what they say you just get over it right people can believe and read whatever they want i mean you don't know me has no i don't care what you think if you don't know me if if i can tell you that you know, it's something that my sister said about me that she knows me or my parents said about me that they know me. It would obviously have much more meaning, but just a paper that wants a cheap uh, gossip and whatever, I, it doesn't affect us too much. Right. It's interesting that you mentioned um, about people who know you, because I think that that really goes for everything in life. We care more about the people who know us and who we love, who we trust more than random people on social media. And this like, this is for anyone, you know, when it comes to like to really realize when you if, if you get comments whether you're an influencer or not from random strangers to really think to yourself like does this really matter what this random person says you know what I mean 100% true and I can tell you you just said a random person it's not just a random person there's so many crazies out there on social media so many weirdos and so many people that everyone has something to say but why do I have to care what this person has to say why, you, you know, they know you, but you don't know them, who they are. Most of the times, those mean comments are from actually people that know you, you know, from the neighborhood or from work or not necessarily just complete strangers. Okay. So the thing is, if not, it's not someone that, you know, that you care about what they think and you want to look at it as a constructive criticism and, you know, take, think about it and do something with it. It's just a hater or someone jealous that has something mean to say, who cares? Oh, why let it so many times I see, you know, influencers that are like, oh, my God, look at the message I got, you know, and they make a whole 
you know, discussion about it and showing the responses that they got. And I mean, I think that many times they do it because they want to hear the reassurances from everyone they know. Oh my God, that's so mean. You're so not like that. You're amazing. You're gorgeous. You're sweet. You see, right? Thank you to my Insta fam. <laughs> see, you guys are so nice. But, you know, for I can't tell you that I got hate messages. Rarely. I rarely get hate messages. But even if I would, like sometimes there was someone dumb that wrote to me, like, you go to all these fancy expensifications when I don't have money to pay for this and that. How, like, she was so nasty about what she wrote. Like, like you could have just said something, you know, you don't have to insult someone in order to ask for um, a favor or a donation. I don't know, even, I'm not even sure what she was asking me, but um, I'm saying there's, it's all about approach and I don't know you. I don't know what you want from me. Like, I'm not even answering, it's just block. I don't want you to even look at my stories, you know, like I'm not going <laughs> to sit and make a whole guys. Look at this mean message. I just got people are so crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, it's not worth the waste of energy. You know, I just right? have to think right now about a mean comment that I got because I, I, I mean, I don't give them attention. Who cares? So I, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Right. And first of all, let's just like clarify one thing that they don't actually know you. They don't actually know me. People who see See they people. think they know you. Right. That's what I mean. They think yeah. they know you. <laughs> right, right. Because they, they know parts of your life for sure. And they know who you are, right? But they don't really know you. But it's funny. I think that um, in regards to what you're, you're saying about the influencers posting comments that they've gotten, I think a lot of times they do it for the drama and for the algorithm, which is really sad because they're feeding into something that's it's so unhealthy and it's really toxic, you know? Listen, it's, I can tell you, I can definitely tell you that it's much more entertaining to see like people, oh my God, look, she got this hate message, huh? And, and the sad part is most of the time people like agree, like, I don't want to mention names, but so many times people share, like, you see, we're not the only ones thinking that I'm like, oh my God, like, like stuff that people, it's just like, uh, I don't want to elevate the gossip. You understand what I'm saying? Like what happens when there's a story like this, everyone shares the talk. You see, somebody told her that you see, she's obviously real. Like why to elevate the gossip generally for me, like in social media, I think like I'm, I'm trying, I know that people don't like it and it's not the most, uh, you know, yellow and exciting thing, but just trying to keep things parved, not to go out there and talk about, you know, who to hate, who to love, who to vote, who not to vote, um, not to try. I'm trying to always avoid conflict, trying to avoid hate and things that will put people apart. I'm saying, I'm, I'm looking around us in the world. There's so many different types of people and there are so many reasons why people would hate each other for Jews, non-Jews, Muslims, this, that, you know, religious, not religious, observant, Hasidish, Sephardi, Ashkenazi. They're always looking for reasons to, you know, um, Republican, Democrat. Why do we have to always find who is who and to find differences between each other? How about we focus on what we all are? We're all humans. We're all mothers. We're working moms. We're Jews. We're believing Jews. You know, as the woman that I am, a mother that I am, a working woman, I can connect and relate to so many women that are not necessarily from my background, from my religion, from my country, or, you know, people that can relate to me as the person that I am and what I am. Why would I now bring up and tell her, hey, we're not alike because I believe in this guy and you believe you vote for this guy and you're totally wrong and I'm right. You know, I believe in what I believe because this is good for me and this is what I want to believe in. I'm not going to force you to believe what I believe. Each one is going to believe in their own thing and have their own religion and practice whatever they want. I'm never going to judge a person 
if he is more or less observant than me. This is what's good for them. People are, have their own judgments. People can make their own decisions. And I respect each person for the decision that he's making. I think it's so disrespectful to demand a person to be what you want him to be. Like, what, where, where's the acceptance? I, and that's why I don't believe in highlighting the differences. I might believe in voting for one person, but why do I need, I understand that the whole influencer market is like, you're supposed to make an impact and you're supposed to make your voice sound and you have to fight for this cause and you have to fight for this cause. Why do I have to fight? What am I, a fighter? I'm looking for fights in my life. What, what am I, an activist? I'm not an activist. I'm a busy mom that's running a busy, hectic business and I don't have time for extra fighting and ex, you know, to bring all this drama in my life. I'm not looking for all this drama. Oh, so just talking about this just makes me anxious because I'm, I'm not looking for the fights. Why do people look to fight? I'm looking to bring people closer to see how much good we can do together. You know, to, to think like it doesn't matter if you're rich and poor, everybody should and everybody um, can bring charity, give charity, make charity in your own level. Think about things that make us closer. Keep Shabbat. You know, even when I have so many times I have people over for Shabbat that are not observant at all. You know, they come to my house and they're like, wow, I just, you know what? She's telling her husband, honey, next week, I, I want to keep this. We have to do this in our house. I'm telling you, look how much fun it is. Look how relaxing, how exciting. I didn't tell her, listen, I don't want you to come to my house because you're not observant of Shabbat. Just never, never. Always um, show people by, by example. People are attracted and connected when it comes to you know without pressure just showing by your own example even to your kids you cannot tell your kids don't hit don't scream if you're screaming at them the whole day right what type of a role model are you you are the role model to your kids you're the role model to society what we are is you know the person you are is what attracts you and by the way i really really believe in you know in karma and good people get good stuff and, and people that do bad, the bad comes down after them. It, it, like it doesn't, you know, I be, really believe that good comes to people sometimes that are good. A lot of times you might not see it and feel it, but eventually, even if you don't see it necessarily, it's there. And I think also it, it brings me to being a karatato, um, which is gratitude. How important is gratitude? to everything that you have, everything you own, your family, your kids, the love of your life, your parents, your health, so much to be grateful for. And it's so easy to get up in the morning and stick to this annoying thing that bothers you. I'm so annoyed, I'm so angry, this happened, happened and it totally you know, takes you out of your balance and you're so aggravated and all your energy and focus is going to is this one thing that is not working out. Just relax and think about all the good in your life. And thank God that you're waking up today and you're healthy and you're feeling good and you're able to get up and get dressed yourself and go to work and prepare breakfast for your noisy and loud kids. And, you know, so much to, to thank for. And it's just a matter of how you view life and what's the, what's, what do you really give importance with too? Right. What do you believe in and what do you want to be appreciative for? And not take things for granted. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm so aligned with you in that mindset of to find the ways that we're all similar and we're all human, we're all women. That's literally what my brand stands for. Our tagline is uniting women through the power of color. Exactly. I'm telling you, it's so, you know, people don't understand that I have so many diversified 
type of friends, you know, Jews, non-Jews, observant, not observant. You know, I work with everyone and I connect and relate to everyone because I don't, I don't highlight the differences between us. And, you know, I cover my hair. Most of my, most of my coworker at at work don't even know that I cover my hair because I'm not going to go and talk to them about how I'm different from them. You know, obviously it's a work environment. I'm not going to sit and explain to my people who work for me, like I'm covering my hair today. And today that's why my hair is short and tomorrow it's going to be long again. But they just, oh, I love, I love your new hair. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Uh, and that's where we end it. But, um, you know, we can easily talk about hair. She doesn't need to understand or accept or a lot of people get turned off. Like, what, you guys, uh, that's what you guys do. Like, people that are not Jewish and don't understand that. They don't understand why I have to cover my hair. They don't, you know, but you don't have to understand. This is who I am. And, you know, you're not marrying me. You're just, you know, we have a good relationship. We can be friends. We can talk. We can work together. But I think overall, just to connect with people, for them being people and just being kind people with good intentions. It doesn't matter, you know, who, what, how. Especially that we are in the Orthodox community and there's so much judgments towards people that are, you know, leaving the way or, you know, we're we're suffering when they're there. You know, I can't speak for the people and their experience and what they went through and how their parents raised them. I can't, but, you know, it was very funny. My daughter came to me yesterday and she tells me, mommy, I never really asked you, do you let me wear pants? Because I never really talked about it. She's very <laughs> funny, my 10-year-old. I'm like, no, yeah. Why do you think we need to talk about it? Don't you know that in our family, the girls don't wear pants? Did you ever see me wearing pants? She's like, no. I'm like, exactly. So what is there to talk about? I'm your role model. You're doing what I'm doing. Mommy doesn't <laughs> wear pants because our religion you know, doesn't allow for women to wear pants. So you're also not wearing it, right? Yeah, I don't want to wear it at all. I was just wondering because you really never told me. I don't want to wear it, but you just never told me I shouldn't. <laughs> so I, I felt like, you know what? So many times you tell someone they shouldn't do something and the no, 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 no um, chokes them. And they feel like, you know what? I want to do things my way. I want to, I want to do it. I want to, they have to break free. And I don't want my kids to grow in a, up in a way that they feel like they have to escape here and break free. You are free to do whatever you want. I love observing the Shabbat. We all love observing the Shabbat. We're doing it out of love. We're not doing it out of somebody is is demanding us to do it and making us do it. We're enjoying the family time. They're enjoying mommy making their favorite food and spending the whole Shabbat in the kitchen, making the most yummiest dessert. That's what they love. This is our family time. There's no cell phone distractions. Mommy's not on her phone. Um, You know, daddy is not at work. It's... This is a family time and they grow to love it, just like I grow to love it. And, you know, modesty is a beautiful way for a woman to respect herself and to be respected towards others. I'm not saying that you shouldn't wear, you know, you can do whatever you want, but you have to understand that for me, modesty wear is just about respecting our Torah, our religion, and I'm respecting myself, especially in the environment that I'm, I'm at at work. And I work with so many different types of people that, again, don't know anything about what it is being an Orthodox woman. And I've always seen that it only helps when a woman is dressed modest and dignified without coming inappropriate to a meeting and making inappropriate distractions, okay? So 
there's a lot to it. And, and I, I think that our Judaism is a way of life and not necessarily a restricted life. We don't necessarily understand it all or have to understand it all, but this is what our God wants us to do. And this is why we do it. And I do it with much pleasure and joy. Modesty in general is just professionalism and about being respected for the way that you present yourself. Yeah, the, the way you carry yourself and present yourself. And, and no one said that being modest, it doesn't mean it means like looking bad. You can look super chic and gorgeous and elegant and stylish and classy, even when you're dressed up. Right. Absolutely. For sure. And you do that so well. Oh my gosh. That's, Thank you. Thank sure you so much. Yeah, of course. No, I think that's like what pe- so one part, just one aspect of what people love when they follow you is seeing your incredible outfits that are also modest. Actually, shopping is one of the easiest things for me. And um, if I wasn't observant, I don't know how I would ever shop because I go to a website that I like. I just press filter, dresses, midi height, sleeve length. <laughs> And then there's like 10 options. I'm like, huh, good, good, not good, not good. Right. So I have to sh- I shop out of 10 options. So it's so much easier when you, you know, when the shopping process. Right, um, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, today, you know, if I had to start picking like every single outfit out there, I would, uh, I don't know how I would shop. So it's much easier when you have a limited selection. <laughs> right, that's so funny. That's so funny. That's a great perspective. And you know what? That comes down to also talking about mindset because, Mindset is really everything when it comes to our personal lives and also business. So do you have any mindset tips for in general for being so positive in life and as a, as a business professional, how to keep that positivity and, and success mindset going? So first of all, I, I, I think we spoke about it before, but I want to tell you that business is one day up, next day down, one day up. There's so many things that are unstable and unknown and you're you know, unsure what tomorrow is going to look like, if there's going to be good news, hopefully good news. But what I learned is eventually, you know, you have to believe that it's going to a good place. You're trying your best to bring it, to make the best, to bring it to the best, but it's not the end of the world. If it's not, it's not up to you. It's up to God. I think that we're when we're believing in God and we're spiritual people, everything in life is so much easier because you tried your best. You worked very hard for a certain deal. If it didn't work out, you did your part, didn't work out. God didn't want it to work out. That's that. That's what it's meant to be. So that mindset actually helps me so much in business. And I think also to always look on the, on the, the full picture. The full picture is that, you know what? Today you had a bad day at work, but thank God it's just work. And it's just money. And tomorrow is a new day and your kids are still healthy and your husband's okay and everyone's okay. And that's what's important because money more or less, we're going to get over it. Other things, it's not so easy to get over. So just keep everything in perspective. Right, it's true, it's true. Yeah, so so you've been talking about being a role model for your children and about these mindset things. So our, I'm sure these are, are things that your parents raised you with. They were your role models, clearly. And I, I'm curious to know about, like, so I remember you posting about, you posted about um, your mother raising you with this hardworking mentality that even on vacation, you would still wake up early. She'd wake you up early to get going, have a productive day. So I would love to hear more about that and about how you've 
different things that you've taken from your parents and and implement them as as a mother and as as a role model for your own children. So yeah, we spoke about it a little before a little that what I was telling you is that role model, being a role model to your children is the only way to raise your children because you cannot do one thing and expect them to do the other. For example, I know it's an example from the Jewish world, but I'll tell you, there's people who don't keep kosher, the parents, and they're telling the kids, no, but we're not eating kosher outside. We're keeping kosher in the house. You have to eat, you know, like if you're not doing it, your kids are not going to do it. You know, you cannot demand from your kids something that you're not doing yourself. And it was exactly the example from my mom. My mom is the most hardworking person. And when I mean hardworking, no, she wasn't a businesswoman and she wasn't, uh, you know, after a career, but she raised nine kids and she was married. She is married to a very well-known, busy businessman who she followed everything that he was doing without asking questions. So if they have to move to this country, with nine kids, she follows him. And then we have to go back to this country. She goes back, she follows him. And if for Shabbat, there's 20 people coming over within a short notice of two hours, she'll have the table set up and everything ready. So my mother was a soldier and she was not a soldier. She was not just giving someone. She was also the one in the field working herself and not the one to give people instructions on what needs to be done. She was always there, the first one, waking up super early and making us get up early because for her, sleeping in is a waste of time. We have to get up. We have to do stuff. We have to clean up. We have to organize. We have to set up. It was always, she was always busy. There was always action. She was also very, very much involved with a lot of charities and non-for-profits. My mom founded the, the Shiduchim, the, the matchmaking office in Israel for our community. She actually made like, I think over 500 weddings. Nice. And uh, yeah, so my mom is very much, you know, she's the first one to visit someone in the hospital and send them food. And if somebody's sick, she would go and help. She's very, very hands-on on everything. And she's very active. And this is what I learned from her and took from her. And also, you know, growing up in the household that we grew up, she always kept us grounded. And, you know, like, guys, you're not... Uh, gonna have this one doing this for you you're gonna do it yourself and you're gonna clean up your own room and you're gonna take the bus if you need to go somewhere even though we had a driver sitting and waiting for my father you know like she made us really work hard and and even like with our allowances like if we helped around the house in the week we would get an allowance if we were like i'm not doing this i'm not doing that no allowances for us so she was very strict and tough when it came to raising us and being herself a role model to us and not spoiling us too much when it comes to money and just go and spend and anything you need. It wasn't like that in our household. And my father, he was super busy. He was working. He was all over the world, traveling the world. And he was never home. She was doing all the hard work herself. And he would come back every Friday. He would travel back to Israel. And uh, Shabbat, it was every Shabbat he was home. There was never Shabbat that he was not home. And that was our time together as a family. Shabbat. Wow. That's, a, that's, that's pretty amazing that your mom was able to do all of that and to raise you with these values, these life Listen, values. I'm, I'm raising today four kids and I'm telling my mom, I don't know <laughs> what you were thinking. How could you, how could you do it? How did you do it? And it's not, not over. I mean, she's still, she still has nine kids and their spouses and their kids. So it just grows and grows. It doesn't just end once they get married and leave the house. 
it's like nonstop work and nonstop worry and nonstop, you know, being involved and helping out and being there. So it's really a lot. Yeah, for I really, sure. I really look up to her for, for how she raised us. Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. Yeah. And, and also, you know, even now as, as a businesswoman, you're pretty much, I mean, obviously it's different than what your father's doing because he's like the head of everything, but you're working really hard. So could you talk about the idea of balance and being a working mom and being there for your kids and, you know, and, and, and taking care of the house and, and how you manage all that and the idea of balance, really, I would love to hear about. So I always say that balance is very individual and everybody has to try to find their own balance. There's no really a secret uh, formula to a balance, but what works for me is the way I structure or build my schedules is always analyzing priorities. So what's more important for me this week? I'm looking a week, a week ahead and I see what I have planned. If there's something I have to do with the kids, I have to make sure that I don't have anything important at work. I move it around. I work around it. If there's some stuff that I need to be in the office, so I'm explaining to my kids that I'll be late. I'll, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be there. Also, um, I'm very much work during work days. So, you know, Monday to Thursday, including Thursday, I'm really into work. I'm coming home late. I can't tell you that I'm, you know, here every time for my kids' bedtimes. Most of the times I uh, miss it. And during the weekends, I'm very domesticated. So it's a very strong shift because Fridays I don't go to work. I stay home. I prepare. I clean up whatever's like, you know, around because even though I have help, no one does things like I do. And, um, you know, I uh, cook and prepare and I still do involved with work and take calls and conferences and whatever I need, respond to emails everything. So Friday is a really tough day. And then comes Shabbat, which is the day that I can't wait to have and relax and read and just be with the kids and go to the park. And it's really relaxing from work and staying home. Sunday is a day that we usually do a lot of activities with the kids. We go out with the kids. So we're much more with them. And then again, Monday it's work, work, work. So this is how, you know, I try to balance. It's, it's still not an easy balance. And I wish I had you know, I, my driving to the city every day. So it takes like 45 minutes of my time back and forth. So it's not like I can, I work across the street from my house and I can just come back to see the kids and go back to work. It doesn't work like that for me. I wish it did, but it doesn't. And, um, I'm not perfect. <laughs> no, none of us is. And every mom has to understand the price that she's willing to pay. And, you know, so many times, women are asking me, don't you have the mom guilt? Don't you feel guilty? So listen, guilt is in our DNA. I don't know any woman that doesn't feel guilty that she's going to work and her kids are home and she didn't miss, uh, you know, she missed something. She didn't see them. She didn't do homework with them, whatever. It's normal. It's okay. But I cannot, I mean, I made the decision and I made the choice. I don't want to be a stay home mom and be all day long at home. I have a career. I get a lot of fulfillment. I get a lot from what I do. It builds me up. It motivates me. It gives me so much. And it also brings, it comes out at, from the mom that I am. Because if I'm a happier wife, a happier mom, everyone's happier in my family. So even though I'm not home the whole kid, the whole day, I come home and I see my kids for one hour in the evening and I talk to them and I play with them. It's still much better than being home the whole day and feeling miserable, if I feel miserable. 
So this is a decision that I made and this is the price I pay. So I think it's very individual. Some moms, you know, don't want to pay the price and they, the guilt is taking over and they feel like they should stay home with the kids 24 seven. So it's up to them to do what they want. I just see myself as, as, um, as a better, happier person doing what I do. And that's the price that I'm paying. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned that mom guilt thing because I I see so many women who feel that way. And this is such a great shift, mindset shift to what you mentioned that this is what makes you happy. And you have to remember that this is what not everyone is cut out to be a stay-at-home mom. And if you are, if that's what energizes you, then great, go for it. But for those of us who want to work and, you know, whether it's because they need the income or because it energizes you, like it's really important to, to be aware of it, you know? hundred percent. And I can tell you this, that even if you don't work, but just the fact that, you know, you're getting up in the morning, you're getting dressed, you put your makeup on, you feel good, you leave the house, you know, you have what to do today. Even if you don't work, but you're volunteering in a non-for-profit or you're keeping yourself busy the feeling of getting up and doing something with yourself it's such a good feeling and women should do that if they're working or not working it's just not healthy for you to stay all day long whether you're pajama at home and i don't know that's just what i feel get up get dressed do something that you love and makes you happy and come home to happy kids I agree. Yeah. And, and also in regards to what you were saying before, I think we should really, you know, a lot of people see that from, from an outside perspective, we'll see people posting on, on social or from what we see, it seems like you really do it all. Right. But the truth is that, is that you have help, right? Cause you work a lot, as you said, and you have help in the house, right. Are you making a gourmet dinner every night? Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, <laughs> obviously, you know, the answer to that. Uh, you cannot do it all. There's always, you know, even at work, if you're not there all the time, you always need someone to to do stuff for you, to send stuff for you, to, you know, to be able to catch up when you don't do it. And also in the house, you want to be relaxed when you're at work, that your kids are being fed in the house and that you have somebody greeting them and playing with them and doing homework with them. Because otherwise, you know, I, I have to plan for it. If I'm not going to plan and organize their schedules, who will? Um, and this is, you know, this is the roles of the mom to make sure that the office is a working mom, I must say, to make sure that the office is working fine, everything everything is good there on that front, and also that your house is running and not falling apart with your kids eating and your kids playing and doing their homework and being picked up from the bus station and whatever it is. Right, for sure, yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to, you know, emphasize the point, that point, because so many women really, they know it, but they don't internalize it, that people around them, they're getting help. You know what I mean? That no one can do it all. You can't work full time, take care of your house, your kids uh, and, and, you know, food, whatever you need to get help. hundred percent. You cannot do it all. That's what I'm saying. There's a price and, you know, women have to make their own, their own calculations to see if it work, if it's worth it for them to go work, if they need to hire the help. And if, you know, some people, that, some women that I know go out and work, even though they barely make it to cover for their help, just because they tell me I need to get out of the house. I cannot be there all day long. And I totally understand and relate. And listen, even the whole working from home concept, 
it's so hard. Who can work from home? You have to go make food. Everyone's calling. Everyone's hungry. Mommy, I want this. Mommy, I want that. How focused can you be at home? You're home. You want to clean this, organize this. You know, I'm a neat freak. I see something. No, I'm not going to push it. I'm going to do it now. So, you know, everything, there's so many distractions in the house. And when you get dressed and you leave the house, you're like, okay, Fagid, this is your time to do what you need to do. So you're, you know, you're also not wasting time when you have more to do. If you know you have eight hours to be at work and finish one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you're going to do that. And when you know that you have to come home and quickly make dinner, do this, do this, you're going to do that in the one and a half hours that you have because you have no other choice. But when you have no plans and no goals for the day and you're just, you know, waking up and taking your time and thinking what you want to do, what did you accomplish that day? So for me, working with a list, I have a whole list of what I need to do every day of the week, how, what, and where I plan. I plan my meetings on, you know, first thing in the morning that I drive there straight from work. And then I, from there, my whole day is set up with timings, with locations, with what makes sense, you know, with doctor's appointments for the kids, if it's morning before work or evenings after work, that when I come back to, you know, everything is really planned out and well thought. And this is, by the way, one of the reasons that a lot of the scheduling that I do on my is I'm doing it myself because so many times I gave other people in my office to do my scheduling for me. It just doesn't work, you know, because they don't know what's more important for me and when I'm home and when I'm not home. And it's just much easier for me to do things myself. Um, and uh, yeah. Right. No, so true. So true. I love that you mentioned the goal thing also, by the way, that's what I tell my clients, you should know, like, cause when you have goals, when you have a list and who, what, when, where, like, that's what you said, literally, which I love. It's like when you plan where you're going to do it, what, what exactly you're going to do, you have something like a measurable thing to achieve that literally makes you so much more productive. hundred percent. Yeah. Let's backtrack for a minute and then a couple last things and then we'll finish up. I'm sure people are curious about this because you mentioned that you were always involved with your family business and now you're working for your father. So did you always work for the family business? Could you tell us about the journey kind of like how you got there? The funny part was that I'm a creative spirit. And when I grew up, I was sure I was going to be a fashion designer, believe it or not. And um, when I graduated from high school and I was really debating, you know, where, where do I go next? I got accepted to Shankara, which was like the top college in Israel for, for design. And when I went there, I don't know, I, I just didn't connect so much to the, to the whole vibe and the people, because they were all like such, you know, creative spirits, but I was like, okay, I'm not at that level. And I, you know, I was still 18 and young and I, I just didn't feel like I would, I belonged there. And I spoke to my father and my father told me, you know what, just, I'm telling you, just go study, just go study what, you know, business or law. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to fit in any business. And I was still very debating. I was like, you know, maybe how about I go study jewelry design because, you know, we're in the diamond business and I can maybe settle in there and whatever. And then I said four years to study jewelry design. I mean, if I really want to, I can just be a designer without learning four years. I was really debating at that point of my life. And then I agreed. I was like, you know what? It's true what my father's saying. I like the college that I went to. I went to Barilan. It was um, close to where we lived. And I liked the crowd of people. So I really, I felt like I can fit in very well. I went to study business and economics. And three years later, when I graduated, 
again, came the time to think and wonder where, where do you want to fit in? What do you want to do? What type of job you're going to do? And, you know, at the time we owned, I mean, we owned Zara in Israel, Pull and Bear, Gotex. We owned all the Holiday Inns. We had so much interesting businesses in Israel going on. And I was like, okay, where do I fit in? Do I go here? Do I go there? Do I join the diamond business? Do I go with the construction business, with the real estate business? And then I just told my father, and I was like, you know what? I had already uh, my older siblings that were involved in the business. They were really going through a hard time because two of them were working for the public companies. And again, as I told you before, working for a public company is not fun with reporting, with compensation, the whole public and the whole world has to talk about your compensation if you deserve it or not. And everyone is talking in the news and media. Ah, oh, his daughter is like unexperienced. She doesn't know anything. Why would we, why would we, the public company pay her such a, you know, high salary, yeah, right high. And um, it was, I just like, I don't want to get into that. I'm not going there. You know what? Um, I went to work for Deloitte. Uh, it was an accounting firm in Israel. And I decided I'm going to go there, work in the business department where they did a lot of valuations, business plans, and uh, worked there for two years. I, before that, I got married, then I got pregnant, I had a baby, and and I left when I had the baby. So I worked there for two years, and I gained a lot of experience. And um, you know, I was they called me to all the good meetings, meeting clients. So that was a really good first step into the market and. It was very important for me to actually work for someone else than my dad because I wanted, I wanted to feel like what it start, what it's starting from from down there, and and seeing you know what experiencing and going through what every regular employee is going through. So there were times that I asked for vacation days and they wouldn't allow me to go on vacations, and there were times that I had to stay in the office, finish projects till six o'clock in the morning, and they really made us work really hard, no exceptions. So I, I was, it was very difficult and I also didn't make a lot of money at all. Okay. <laughs> Practically worked for peanuts. And, you know, I, I w agreed to go at, through this stage because that was a really growing stage for me and, and sin. And then there was an opportunity in my father's business. Uh, that's the CFO job that I was doing in Israel. She left. And they were looking for a replacement. And my father calls me and he's like, you know, I think you can do it. I told him, are you kidding me? There's no way in the world I can do what she was doing so much. I can't, I'm not experienced. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. But I really learned that bringing, that was such a big, you know, learning experience for me because you have to, you're so worried. And what are you going to say? How are you going to be? What are you going to think of me? How am I going to know what to do, how to do? But I think just remember to give yourself a break, take it a day by day, be you, be yourself, be respectful to people. Don't be arrogant. Don't be nasty. Respect every single partner, every single, you know, associate, every single employee. And, and it's going to take you so far. The people, the bosses, you know, that are trying to put their employees down or play tricks with them or tell them, why'd you come late? I'm not going to let you go on vacation. No, you know, it's being that boss is not going to get you far. Your employee is going to be miserable. He's not going to like you and he's not going to work well. And he's just going to think like, oh, when am I finding my next job? So I think in order to build a real team, a team that feels like they're a part of it and they want to give themselves to it. And no matter what time of the day that you're going to call them, they're going to pick up the phone because they feel like they're a part of the team. That's what I was really striving to build. And thank God I was able to. 
you know, because when you're not playing the who, who is a bigger boss. And even though I'm a young girl, I'm going to teach you, you're not going to mess with me. You know, I, I never use those tones and it's always being real down to earth and pleasant. Don't think like, you know, it all. They have been working here for years They have a lot of experience. And it's always, I always like to hear what everybody has to say. It doesn't matter what his title is. I'm always happy to hear everyone's opinions, what they think about each thing. And then to decide what we want to decide together alone, but just always be open to listen to others. We don't know it all. Okay. That's what I always say. Don't think, you know, it all, you're not going to get too far. And that was the experience I had there and just meeting all the people and, it was a really great uh, growth experience for me until I had to move to New York. That's that's the long, the end of the story. Here I am. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you how you mentioned about being yourself as the as a especially as a female business owner that you weren't afraid to really utilize your femininity and as opposed to try to be like that. You know how often women in leadership positions feel like they have to be like a man almost, you know what I mean? And get their employees to maybe even like, not fear them, but you, you know, like that sort of thing, like to be in control, to be in control. So I love how you really just kind of thought, I don't know if it was subconscious or conscious that you, the way that you would want to be treated as an employee. And that's how you created your team, which is more like a community family situation because they truly want to be there and they really have respect for you for being who you are. And respecting them. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, so do you have any last like pieces of advice to share with any aspiring business owners or, or female professionals to help them, you know, grow and see success? Yes. I, I think, first of all, don't pay too much attention to titles. Don't be afraid to meet someone with a big title. Don't be ashamed by your title or don't think like if you're in a certain title, you have to treat people in a nasty uh, way because you are the CEO right now. Okay. No, it doesn't work like that. Always remember that people are people. doesn't matter their titles. You have to treat people kindly. You have to treat people with respect. And that attitude is always going to come back to you. People are going to appreciate you. People are going to tell you what they feel. People are going to talk to you. And it's so important to be in touch with your team, to be in touch with business uh, people, with associates, to know what's going on in your company. Because you can be the big CEO all the way up there, but if you don't know what's going on with your employees, you don't know what's going on with your company. So just remember to be human. We're all humans. It doesn't matter. You know, I've met so many big wealthy, successful people, CEOs of the biggest companies. When you look at them and you sit in front of them and talk to them, you all of a sudden see like, it doesn't matter who, what, how, we are all humans. We're all parents. We're all people. We're all siblings. We're all kids, daughters. We all have feelings. We all care about, you know, we all cared about being loved, being respected, be, you know, being appreciated. That brings people, again, that's the whole thing of bringing people together. Don't look at all the at all the outside borders and definitions and titles. Just look at the real person and who they are. And when you have a real connection with people, you can really build great things together, make great businesses, you know, make great partnerships, really, really get, even when people are dating, when you are dating someone that without all the barriers of, you know, who I am, you know, who my family is, you know, where I come from, you know, how much money I make, like, forget about that. What type of a person are you? Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter how you look like because, you know, eventually couples, they get used to each other's looks, okay? So 
for me, character and, and the way you handle yourself, the way you treat other people is everything, everything, everything. So just always keep that in mind to be human and kind to other people. Never step down on people, never be mean and, and talk bad at people. Always comes back. I love that. Yes. Great. Such, such valuable advice. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Hagi, let me ask you the question that we ask everyone, which is, what is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? I hope they don't have to struggle with taking the responsibility of raising a family all themselves. Uh, raising a family, you know, it takes two. There's two parents. And uh, we always, I mean, thank God, I see it already happening. And I cannot even complain because my husband is super involved and helpful. Which, which allows me also to be, you know, working as, as much as I, as I am, because we really, he helps me a lot and I help him as much as I can. So it's really like a, a combined partnership. And uh, that's what I hope for the next generation, that it will be something that every woman will be able to have. And it's not just husband is working and the woman is having babies. It's we can each do whatever we want and like, and the husband the father, whoever it is, the men take responsibility and take a role in the raising the kids and role in the family, in the house. Yes. Thank you for saying that. That is so important. So true. Thank you so much for joining me today, Hagi. This was so nice, so much valuable information. I'm really excited to have our audience inspired and to gain all this, all this value from you. Thank you so much. It's been really great chatting with you. Thank you for having me. You can learn more about Hagi and follow her journey on Instagram at Hagi underscore Leviev, which is C-H-A-G-I-T underscore L-E-V-I-E-V. And if you're interested in creating more visibility and growth for your own business using my holistic head and heart aligned marketing program, please reach out to me via Instagram at Nechamiti, which is N-E-C-H-A-M-I-T, or Nechami at KarmalaCosmetics.com. As always, thanks for being a part of our Carmela Cosmetics We Are Women community and stay tuned for next week's episode. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 